The text for the sermon this day is taken from that reading from Romans and Isaiah, which was read a little bit ago. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to begin with a little bit of a story. It's an event that happened in 1914 in Europe. So if you're Marking that date and location, you realize that is World War I. It happened on Christmas Eve, and it's an event that, hap- that you could hear about in songs and in movies. A movie called Joyo Noel references it, or actually should say is all about it. It's a story of soldiers, Scots, French, and Germans, gathered in battle. They've been battling a bloody war for, many, for several months. And they sat there in their trenches, which if you are familiar with the history of trench warfare, it was particularly brutal. They sat, but they sat there in their trenches. Silence, the flake, snowflakes falling on them. And all of a sudden they heard it from the German side. They didn't know the words because they didn't know the language, but they knew the tune. They were hearing the silent night. And all of a sudden, a voice would come from the Scots, all is calm, all is bright. And one by one, Germans, Scots, French, people who had been just hours before killing each other, We're joining together in a single song, the hymn, Silent Night. After that, they join in on the hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful. They all knew it pretty much by heart. And it was then that they they declared what has become known to be the Christmas truce. An unofficial ceasefire. And they didn't just decide not to fire on each other. They actually celebrated Christmas together. They exchanged gifts. They talked to each other about their families, places that they've been to. Talk about, hey, I've been to this place in Germany. They are raised up all their life that the Germans were evil. Or the Brits were told that the... Or so the Brits were told the Germans were evil. The Germans were told that the English were evil. And here they are finding out that they're brothers, brothers in Christ. They even celebrated Christmas Eve services together. And and there's even a soccer game that was played, which the Germans apparently did win. This is an actual historical event. And actually, many of the men that were involved with it were punished for taking part in it, including the bishop. The priest who led the service was defrocked for doing it. 
this little event that ha- this event that happened in history it is but a, pe- a very large taste of what Christ has in store for us because the reality is is that our world ever since the fall has been in division and in conflict with one another when adam and eve fell into sin and when god confronted them and we asked, did you eat this? Adam didn't say, oh, yeah, it's my bad. I should have said something. No, he didn't do that. He said, this woman that you gave me. Of course, he's blaming God, and he is absolutely, he hates the very existence of the woman. He says, if, it, if she didn't exist, this would have never happened. And so... The conflicts between man and woman, husband and wife, began, and it continues. It's a conflict that is very deep. It's a conflict that leads to divorce, to many broken families. As we are in this Christmas season, many families are thinking, well, I'm going to spend this day with my dad and this day with my mom's family. That's what I grew up with. It's very common in our, in our country. And then their first children, Cain and Abel. Cain was jealous of Abel. And so he murdered him. And so you read all throughout the book of Genesis, you read about a lot of rivalry between siblings. And it still exists. How many times do parents have to tell their kids, don't touch your brother? Leave your sister alone. And so, but those conflicts get older and they get more mature and they never quite go away. And there's conflict between parents and children. And again, when you're young, it's simple as brush your teeth, go to bed, take a shower. But when you get older, We have the tragedy that there are parents that have no relationship with their children. They're estranged from one another. We live in a world filled with division, filled with conflict. And it's not just, it's a conflict that lives in our nation. How many of you, I'm sure if you're like me, you are tired of impeachment hearings. And And it is just, one of many cases of Democrats versus Republicans versus everyone else. And it's gone back for many years, even back to the day of the Whig parties. There's always conflict and conflict between nations. The very existence of nations is a consequence of conflict and division. Division exists in the churches. In our community, we have a Lutheran church, we have a Catholic church, we have a Methodist church, we have a Presbyterian church, and I can't think of the other ones off the top of my head, but we have a few different church denominations. Now understand that it is important that we stand with what we believe to be faithful teaching in regards to Scripture. That's why denominations generally exist. 
But nonetheless, it is division. And even within a congregation, there is division. Now, some congregations are in much worse situations than others. I listen to some of the stories that some other pastors go through, and I would not envy them if in a million years. But nonetheless, conflict exists in every congregation. It exists in our congregation. And we are, we are very well aware of it. But the thing is, is the root of every conflict is that fall. The root of every conflict is sin. And so many of our conflicts boil down to pride, ego, selfishness. So many of them you could point, think about even back to Adam and Eve. What was he really doing when he did not, he did not protect his wife? He was protecting himself. That's why he was making an excuse. He thought, if, if I could pass the buck on to someone else, then maybe my punishment won't be so bad. That's basically what he was thinking about was self-preservation. So many of the thi- our divisions come down to as simple as preserving ourselves, make elevating ourselves, or just about what we desire. And our desires, our likes, our ideas above others. That is so much of the conflict in our world. And so this is the reason that Paul writes these words in Romans 15. See, when Paul wrote these letter, this, the letter to the Romans and also the letter to the Galatians, which, by the way, if you, don't, if you don't know this, Romans and Galatians are basically sequels. If you read Galatians, go straight over to Romans or vice versa. They are, co- they are completely connected. Because the whole issue at that time was the church was divided over whether or not you needed to be circumcised in order to be a Christian. And so Romans was written to a church that was divided. Which is why he writes these words at the end. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. See, right there, he is pointing us to what unites us. He points us to the scriptures. He points the church to Rome in Rome to the scriptures, and so he points it to us. Because here's the thing. Even though the churches have divisions, when we all gather on December 24th, on that evening, many churches all around the world will hear from Luke chapter 2. The translation may be different, the, the language may be different, but at the core, it is the same words all across the world united hearing about the same birth of the same savior of the same jesus when you were wa- when you were brought to the baptismal font and the pastor said i baptize you in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen 
Which, by the way, if you ever watch that movie Joyeux Noel, it's a French one, so you have to deal with some subtitles. But the one about the Christmas truce, one of the things that was really remarkable is when they went through the liturgy, everybody knew it by heart. Because obviously they didn't have a hymnal to go grab because they don't have those in battlefields. They knew exactly what to say. And so when the, pa- the priest said, in nomine patris et filia et spiritus sanctus, which is Latin, they all said those exact same words. Because they were all united in that same name. Even though they were fighting in the battlefield only hours before. There, on that Christmas Eve, they were embracing the unity that came through the waters of baptism. Something we so easily forget. There's a meme that's been passed around and people talk about, I long for the days of 9-11 when we were American before we were Christian. And I do not long for any day like that. We are Christian before we're American. Because there are Christians all around the world. The United States is only 200, coming up on 250 years old. The church is everlasting. And that is, a, that is the kingdom to which you will belong in in eternity. That is the kingdom that those soldiers were trusting in. When they buried their dead, they didn't put up a flag. They put up a cross. Because they knew in Christ there was life. Because that is the kingdom to which they belong. When we come up to the Lord's Supper, we as a church body, we practice what is known as closed communion. And by the way, it is a very ancient practice. There's a reason why the oldest church bodies practice it. Because it's been going since the beginning. And the reason we practice it is because communion literally means, you take, just break up those words, common union. The many become one. So if you have somebody that comes up and they believe that they merely receive bread and wine. You have another person who believes that Jesus is re-sacrificed at every Lord's Supper. You have another who believes that the, bread, the, that the, the body of Jesus is present in, with, and under the bread. That the, the blood of Jesus is in, present in, with, and under the wine for the forgiveness of your sins. Which, by the way, in case you don't know, that's the Lutheran understanding. And then you have another who they don't believe that the words of Scripture are really all God's Word. They believe it contains God's Word. That's not unity. That's not communion. That's holy division. The very opposite of what the Lord's Supper does. It is about celebrating what we have in one. It's about celebrating the harmony. So verse 5, Paul writes, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, when Jesus died on the cross, 
He said it of himself. He said it himself that he would draw all peoples to himself. When he was on the cross, he who knew no sin became sin for us. And by his death, he draws all people to himself. And so when you come to that altar and receive the very gifts of the cross, there's, there's a hymn last week. There's one word that came, I think it was last week. They all kind of blends together sometimes. But there's a word that comes in. It's portal. It's, it some, shows up in our hymns every now and then. Have you ever noticed that word? Portals? Now, if you're like me and you're a sci-fi fan or video game player, you think portals, you think, oh, that's the place, that's the thing you go through, and boom, you're in another place. And guess what? That's exactly what it means in the hymns. Not that you go through some place and go somewhere else, but it means that when you come to the altar, the altar is a, the place where you meet heaven, where you get a taste of heaven. You get a taste of unity, a taste of harmony, a taste of being of one voice. You are being drawn to Christ. See, unity, division comes to an end when he, we set our eyes on Christ and Christ alone. Division comes when our, our eyes are set on ourselves, are set on man. The hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, the very last verse says these words, O come, desire of nations, Bind in one the hearts of all mankind. Bid thou our sad division cease, and be thyself our king of peace. See, what happened on that battlefield in 1914, it was a taste of what God, what Christ will bring. Because on the last day, and this is what Advent is ultimately all about, is getting our hearts and minds ready for when Christ will return. And when he returns, he will unite all to himself. Or as the old great old Antiphon say it, it says, O king of the nations, the ruler they long for, the cornerstone uniting all people, come and save us all whom you formed out of the clay. The reading in Isaiah tells you how even farther this unity will come. Verse 6, it says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Think about that. You protect animal flock. We don't have so many wolves around here, right? But we have coyotes. You protect the animals from that. But here we are hearing that the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Yes, we'll, probably, we'll be eating vegetables. Now, I'm hoping that there's bacon-flavored vegetables in heaven, but that's, it's telling us we'll eat plants because we will be at peace with even creation. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. 
How many of you think it would be fun to hang out with a cobra? Just sit there and lay it in the, in the crib with a kid? Probably not. But here, the nursing child will play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. That is how grand the unity that Christ will bring. That even man and creation will be at peace and united. So that till that day comes, may we pray as Paul prayed, that may the God of endurance and encouragement grant us to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together we may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be all glory. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen. We now stand and join in confessing our